kids, now you can be dismissed to the Gospel Project. Parents, you're welcome to leave the kids here if you want, and they can participate with us. Um, but we have some great opportunities out on the patio. They'll take you to the classrooms up through fifth grade if you want to have them partake in that. So before we begin, a, a couple of things to share with you today. Uh, first, we had such an encouraging time yesterday on Saturday morning with our Disciple Makers Intensive. Uh, we had Dr. Thigpen come in from Phoenix Seminary and share with us on the motives of God. Really helpful topic for us for today and then for the future as well, as we uh, uh, inevitably will have questions of why does God do what he does. So it was really helpful for us as a church family. Uh, if you're not, or if you haven't been through our Disciple Makers classes, uh, would encourage you to join with us. Wednesday evenings at 6.30, 6.30 to 8 over in the Christian Challenge building. It's not too late to jump in. Uh, we'd love to see you there beginning this Wednesday. And then second, I'm sure that many have noticed that Pastor Chuck is not here today. Uh, unfortunately, he tested positive for COVID on Thursday evening. And as you know, due to his autoimmune disease and his, his uh, immunopressive status, he's uh, not able to build up antibodies from the vaccine, so he's particularly vulnerable uh, to COVID. So you can be praying for him. He's doing well, uh, but they're, they're being aggressive with the medications they're giving him and just trying to make sure that he uh, does well. So keep praying for him uh, as, as uh, the rest of the week uh, goes on. He wasn't scheduled to preach next week. Eric is, is already scheduled to preach, so we'll hear from Eric next week, but uh, you get me this time. So, um, but uh, do be praying for Pastor Chuck and for his family. I know it's not easy for, for the family members as well as somebody goes through that. In fact, let's, let's pray for Pastor Chuck and for his family right now. Uh, God, we thank you for um, our pastor. Thank you for uh, his uh, ministry to us uh, through the word. Thank you for his leadership. Thank you for the godly example of a husband and a father. Uh, who loves his family, and uh, God, we pray for his family as they go through this. Um, it's really not easy to see somebody that you love uh, who uh, uh, has an illness, so pray that you would strengthen them and encourage them and build their faith through this. And God, we certainly pray also for Pastor Chuck and for his health. Pray that you would uh, just sustain him and encourage him through this, help him to um, uh, make a, a quick and speedy recovery that, that he might be back uh, doing the ministry, doing the things that he would love to do that, he, that you've created him to do. So I uh, just pray that you would sustain him and encourage him during this time, and, and again, that he would uh, be well before we know it. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, as uh, Eric said, my name is Tad Skinner. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, please go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Mark. The Gospel of Mark will be in chapter 1. Again, if you don't have a Bible, there's one under the seat in front of you. A blue Bible, and it's on page 488 of those Bibles. We'd love for you to uh, take that Bible home with you if you don't have one and be reading that on a regular basis. But page 48 of the Blue Bibles, Mark chapter 1. And I would encourage you to have that Bible in front of you this morning. Uh, there's uh, several passages that uh, I didn't have a chance to get on the screens for today. Uh, so we'll be flipping back and forth to a couple of things. So if you have your Bible in front of you, that'd be really helpful as well. And this is a bit of deja vu from a couple of times uh, previously, uh, preaching on short notice. I, I joked earlier that maybe the staff should consider a glass case in the, in the back that just is labeled, in case of emergency, break glass, and I can just stay in there and break the glass, and I don't know if I'll uh, preach a sermon. So, 
before disclosure, uh, Pastor Chuck had already done a little bit of work on this passage earlier, so I'm, I'm using his outline uh, for uh, this sermon and then a few of his notes. So as I've said before, anything that you really, really like, it's because it came from me. It was an original thought um, for me. And anything that you don't like, it's only because Pastor Chuck made me keep it in there. Kidding, kidding, of course. So God, God's word is always good. Um, your pastors and teachers work and desire to be faithful in preaching God's word. I'm really glad to be, to be able to be here with you this morning. And then one other thing before we begin our, our message, you'll notice I'm sitting down. This is now the second time that I've preached sitting down. The first was at 9.30. Uh, I, <laughs> I hurt my back uh, earlier in the week, and I've got this shooting pain down my leg and uh, just it's not fun so I, I knew I was old before but this proves it <laughs> so be praying for that and uh, I joked earlier that I was going to, to uh, baptize Winchley uh, but Pastor Mike graciously did that for me I told Pastor Mike I was uh, really concerned I was going to drown myself <laughs> or Winchley so uh, glad that you survived that all right. All right. Before we read our passage, we're going to talk a little bit about priorities. And perhaps that's a scary word uh, for, for many of us thinking about priorities, the, the volume of apps and master classes and planners and books on the topic of scheduling and priori prioritizing and efficiency is, is just endless, I think. Mo most of us have heard of Stephen Covey's uh, modern classic, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Some of you have read that book before. Certainly others are familiar with the, the volumes of YouTubers that are out there putting out uh, uh, posts on uh, life hacks, modern life hacks to, to help, us make, uh, help us to be more productive with life. So the point is, is that we all like to accomplish more with less. And perhaps even more than that, we'd like to be confident that we've chosen the right priorities in life. And then we'd like to learn how to stick with those. So believe it or not, Jesus had to deal with those issues as well. And if you've ever wondered what the priorities of Jesus were and how he arrived at them, then this is the passage for you. So last Sunday in um, our previous passage, Mark walked us through just a, a roughly 24-hour period in the life of Jesus in the city of Capernaum. And Capernaum was his home base while he was ministering in the region of Galilee. And you'll remember that Jesus went to the local synagogue for worship. And there he preached. He cast out a demon uh, who was uh, demon, uh, from a demonized man, and he healed Simon's mother-in-law. And then as word of his power and authority spread, uh, began to spread like wildfire, the, the masses came running for a little bit more of Jesus. And eventually, no doubt, physically exhausted from that, that was a one day, a 24-hour period, so eventually physically exhausted from that, Jesus and James and, and Andrew and John and, and Simon, they all went to bed. And so what would happen the next day after such a long day? Well, there's no doubt that many more would come pleading for help for healing from their sicknesses, for exorcisms. So how would Jesus respond to that? We're going to read to find out. Just a short passage, uh, verses 35 through 39 of Mark chapter 1. We're just going to read the first verse right now, verse 35. And we read, And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, 
he, Jesus, departed and went out to a desolate place. And there he prayed. So very early in the morning, while it was still dark. Now you might think that's, that's odd writing at first, rather redundant, but whenever we see that in ancient writing like this, it's just the, the ancient way of, of writing with a caps lock on, just to get our attention. So Mark goes out of his way to tell us that Jesus got up early. Jesus got up really early. So the roosters were still sleeping, the stars were still glowing, and the town was still silent. So the demands of the previous day might call for, for some of us to take a, a professional day, or a personal day rather, or a mental health day. But that was the furthest thing from the mind of Jesus, to just take a day off. He wakes, he quietly tiptoes out the door, and he stealthily heads for the hills. So Jesus is well aware that as soon as the sun is up, that the crowds will come clamoring for him yet again. And with a full day ahead, how does Jesus choose to begin his day? Well, he prays. And there's so much that we can learn from this for our lives today. So Jesus gave himself to prayer. Now, because he's one with the Father, no doubt Jesus was in a state of constant communion with his Father. Unbroken, self-giving love marks each member of the Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit have a relationship that's marked by continuous love and support and community. Yet here in Mark 1.35, we're, we're noticing not so much that sense of all day in and, and all day out uh, prayer, prayer without ceasing. Rather, we're, we're noticing Jesus' habit of going away for extended prayer to a desolate place. So this one who could cure any disease and who could silence any demon made a point to withdraw for the purpose of prayer. And what did he pray about? Well, we, we don't really have any idea. We, Mark doesn't tell us what he prayed about here. But we know that, that one thing that was definitely different from uh, our prayers compared to his prayers is that he never prayed to confess sin. He never had to confess sin. He is the holy, righteous one who never rebelled against his father, always obedient. So he never had to go to the father to confess sin. But surely he must have praised his father in prayer. And surely he must have prayed for himself, for the task uh, that he had at hand, for that day and for the days to come. And surely he must have prayed for the sinners that he would meet along the way who needed to hear the message of the gospel. And surely he must have prayed for his disciples. And we know this to be true because later in Mark, we'll see that when, when Peter, before Peter denies, before uh, Peter betrays Jesus and denies him, uh, Jesus says that I have been praying for you, Peter. So perhaps that's what he's doing here. One of the things he's doing here is praying for Peter. The point is, is that Jesus was a man of prayer. So without a doubt, I think that the best way or one of the best ways to make genuine Christians like you feel bad about your spiritual commitments is to preach on the topic of prayer. Amen? But that's not my intent. That's not our intent. That's certainly not God's intent. Guilt is a, is a horrible motivator. So instead, consider with me the grace of prayer. Prayer is communing with God. With God. The one who holds the cosmos in his hands stoops 
to hear our prayers any time that we offer as believers, as we offer those prayers to Him. So whether you've prayed for an hour this morning or whether you've, you've only prayed for an hour uh, in the past five years, if you're in Christ, then the accepting, embracing, warm gaze of God is drawn to you, His child. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So you, believer in Christ, are ever welcome at the throne of grace at any time where you'll find that mercy and grace to help in your time of need. If you're a believer in Christ who's here today and, and you are prayerless, prayer is not a particular um, habit of yours, then I would encourage you to turn from guilt to grace and confess the sin and rejoice in the Savior whose intercession and the Spirit whose sealing ensures an unceasing supply of grace in your time of need. Now consider with me for a moment the demands on Jesus' time. So Jesus could resolve literally every need, every person that came to him with need, Jesus could resolve that. He had people to heal, he had demons to cast out, he had disciples to train, he had opponents to meet and to quiet, and yet he withdrew to pray. Now if Jesus did that, then how much more do we need a desolate place to pray? Today, we, we often feel that we're too busy. I'm sure you, everybody feels you're too busy, right? Everybody feels you're too busy. But God's not after you for having a full schedule. It's not a sin to be busy. In fact, I think it's actually a good thing to be busy. If you're busy doing productive, godly, helpful things, that's the way it ought to be. We ought to be busy doing those things. But God is after us to have unhurried hearts. Hearts that are not so busy with the tasks of the day that we forget the most important thing, the things of God. So friends, of course there are legitimate demands on your time. Just as an example, think of a mom of young kids. Um, very few minutes in a day that she can call her own. Now, I don't know that from experience, but I have a wife who had young kids at one time, and actually one of my earliest memories is of toddling along after my mom as she delivered laundry from one room to the next. Uh, the poor woman could not even get away from me just when she's doing her chores, right? So we all are busy in various ways. So we know there's legitimate demands on our time. Yet more often than not, it might be that we're burning time on technology or entertainment rather than spending time in prayer. Is that true? So here's a few suggestions to change that, to make sure that we're spending time on the things of God. Uh, in other words, how to pray. Just a couple of examples of how to pray. Uh, the first is praying the Psalms. We, we had Dr. Whitney come in uh, Southern Seminary last fall and share with us on this topic. So just very briefly, uh, the, the concept behind that, today is the 30th day of the month. So go ahead and turn to Psalm chapter 30. Turn to Psalm chapter 30. And so the 30th day of the month, read Psalm 30, add 30 
to that, and you read Psalm 60 as well, add another 30, you read Psalm 90, add another 30, 120, and 150. So 30, 60, 90, 120, 150. And do that for every day of, of the week. So read those Psalms, pick one Psalm, and then pray through it. So I'm going to read the first two verses of Psalm chapter 30. And then I'm going to, just as an example, just as a way of going to God in prayer and using this as an example, I'm going to pray uh, personally uh, through that. So just the first two verses of Psalm 30 read, I will extol you, O Lord, for you have drawn me up and have not let my foes rejoice over me. O Lord, my God, I cried to you for help and you have healed me. So let me pray. Uh, Father, I do glorify your name. And I know that my worst foes are sin and death and the devil. And yet I know that you have lifted me up from them. And through Christ, I am free from the power of sin. And I have eternal life, so death is not permanent. And the schemes of the devil, God, I know will, will not ultimately prevail. So I rejoice in you. And, O oh Lord, my God, I know that you have healed me from my greatest sickness, that of sin, and I am eternally grateful for that. Uh, but even so, I am in pain right now, and yet you are sustaining me. Uh, so I do ask for healing, but I know that you will provide healing to your glory at the right time, the time that is fitting for you. So God, teach me patience uh, as I wait for that. And God, we... No, I know that you are a good and gracious God. And I pray knowing that. And I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. So just a simple way for you to pray through a psalm. We can pray uh, through that at any time, in any way, just praying through one of the psalms. So that's one way. A second way is praying the Lord's Prayer. Uh, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6, just a couple pages to the left of Mark. Uh, Jesus himself taught us how to pray, and we see that most clearly in Matthew 6, 9 through 13. And we read, Jesus says, Pray then like this, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. So let me just, again, as a way of example, let me just pray, uh, just as Jesus taught us to pray. Let me pray that. Uh, Father, we acknowledge you are in heaven. You are our heavenly Father, and your name is great. You are to be exalted. You are to be lifted up. Uh, you are holy and righteous and good. And God, we do know that your will will be done. Your will is already being done, but it will ultimately be done when Jesus returns. And so, Father, we, we thank you that your kingdom is coming. We thank you for the reality that Jesus will return. But God, even as we look at that, we, we know of our daily needs at this time. We, we live in the present. So we, we pray for you to meet those needs. We, we thank you for your provision. We thank you for uh, the things that you have given us that we truly need. Help us to know the difference between needs and wants. And God, we're mindful of our many sins against you and how unworthy we are, and yet you have chosen to forgive us, your children. So we thank you for that. And we bring our sins to you. We confess them to you. 
And God, as we recognize our many sins, we, we pray that that would drive us to, to forgive others and recognize that others um, need your presence as well, uh, need your forgiveness. And so, God, we pray that, that you would help us to be a forgiving people. And God, we know that you are not evil, and no evil comes from you. And so we um, acknowledge that there is no temptation that comes from you, uh, but we, we trust and know that you will provide a way out of these temptations. So we, we pray that even as temptations come our way, that we would rely on you and we would trust you uh, to deliver us from those temptations. And Father, we thank you for all that you've done for us and pray in Jesus' name, amen. So just to, again, a quick easy way for you to pray. Uh, praying through the Psalms, praying the Lord's Prayer, uh, and then a third example I'll give you is our membership directory. Uh, we handed these out at every, every Sunday night at our members' meetings. They're available as well for our members. It's got people's uh, addresses, phone numbers, email addresses. It's a way for us to stay connected to each other, but even more than that, it's a way for us to pray for each other. So very handy. It's about the size of most Bibles. So you can just stick it in here just like this. Isn't that pretty cool? So as you're reading your Bible, uh, get this out and, and pray through uh, the members. It's also about the size of some of those bathroom books uh, that, they, that they sell. So put it by your toilet and pray as you go. So just start in the A's. You don't have to know the person that you're praying for. There's lots of things that we can pray for, for our members. So pray for relationships. Uh, thank God for their salvation. Thank God that they've equipped them and gifted them to be able to and pray that they would use those gifts to, to benefit uh, the church. Um, pray for their health, certainly. Uh, lots of things that we can be praying for our members, even if we don't know uh, them personally. So I would encourage you to be doing that. So those are just three simple, easy ways that we can be praying uh, just as Jesus did. So really, the method that you use to pray is not near as important as, as that you do it and that you do it with a pure heart. So remember that we can approach the throne of grace at any time because God wants to hear us. That's God's desire to hear from us as children. And as you pray one of these methods or some other, choose a time and choose a place. And then one of the big keys, I think, is set a timer on your phone. Whether it's going to be three minutes or 30 minutes or however long it is, set, set a timer on your phone because what, what happens when you're praying and you're wondering what time it is, whether you've got enough time to keep praying? Well, you look at your phone and then what happens? You start looking at the text messages or at social media or whatever. So set a timer, let the timer tell you when it's time to stop praying, right? And then you can go on with, with your day. So what was the result? of Jesus' concentrated time in prayer. Well, let's keep reading verses 36 and 37, and we'll see. So verse 36 reads, And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said, Everyone is looking for you. Now, of course, we know from other passages that God works or moves in response to the prayers of his people. Now, that's, that's true. It's not only that we're changed when we pray, but often when we pray, uh, God responds to our prayers. But that's for another day. We'll talk about that some other time. Here, I want you to notice that Jesus' prayers drove his priorities. The prayers of Jesus drove his priorities. So the disciples woke up when it was not very early in the morning, 
and while it was not still dark, and they went looking for Jesus. And eventually they found him. So interesting that it seems that prayer centered Jesus on his mission. There's three occasions in Mark where, where Mark tells us that Jesus prayed. Now, of course, he prayed more than that, but three occasions specifically. Those occasions mark the beginning of the ministry of Jesus, in the middle uh, of his ministry, and at the very end of his ministry. Mark's point seems to be that in his humanity, Jesus prayed uh, so that he might stay tethered to his God through communion with the Father. So prayer is to do the same with us, to help us to stay tethered to those God-centered uh, priorities so that we might uh, commune with God. So how easy it is for us to get caught up in our day-to-day -day activities. We, we all have assignments that are due. We all have errands that, that need to be run. We have people that demand our attention. And those are important things. But are they really that important? Always, in every occasion, and in every situation, prayer should be the priority. Now, it may not always need to be an eloquent prayer or a lengthy prayer, but prayer ought to be first in all things. And the reason for that is that just as Jesus stayed connected to his Father, we too need that communion with our Father as well. He's our creator, he's our sustainer, he's our advocate, he's our ally. He is the one who knows our true purpose. So when you're so busy with your kids that it seems that you have no time to think, then pray. Or when you've got an exam to study for and a challenge community to lead and uh, this friend that really needs to talk to you and your parents that, that need just a little bit of your time and all of that is happening at once, then pray. Before any of those things, before we're a student, before we're a child, before we're a coworker, before we're a spouse, even before we're a church member, before any of those things, we're a child of God. And we're one who needs fellowship with our Heavenly Father. So make no mistake, Jesus could have been sidelined by his disciples or by the needs of the people. So note in this passage in verses 36 and 37, there's, there's a note of, of irritation in the search being made by Simon and by the other disciples. Now, it's, it's a little bit difficult to see in English, but the word searched in Greek is a very strong term. It actually means hunting. They were hunting for Jesus. So maybe you can hear now in Simon's voice in verse 37, everyone is looking for you. The implication is, Jesus, what are you doing here? Don't you know that you're supposed to be milking this moment for everything that it's worth? This is your time, Jesus, to make a name for yourself. And you're out here in a desolate place, away from everybody else. You can almost hear Peter, Simon, saying that. So almost certainly, the sun came up, the town swelled with people who were wanting to be healed, wanting exorcisms from Jesus, and the disciples were feeling that pressure to perform, that pressure to provide. The disciples had committed to following Jesus, but that didn't mean that they understood the priority or the mission of Jesus at that point. I think Chuck mentioned last week that Simon loved 
that Jesus was trending on Twitter at the moment. So the newfound explosion of fame was likely thought to be a sure sign of God's favor on Jesus. So maybe if the crowd swelled and swelled and swelled, then Israel would soon remove the shackles of Rome and be free. Now that might have been the disciples' priority, but that was not the priority of Jesus. So how did Jesus stay anchored to the mission of the kingdom of God? Well, in part, it's because he prayed. Prayer is a a critical contact point with God. In communion with him, our priorities are realigned and our distractions are diminished. So do you have a handle on your God-directed priorities? Prayer directed by the scripture is the key to that. So what exactly then were the priorities of Jesus? What did he prioritize? Well, Mark tells us of all the things that Jesus did, preaching was most important because it is through preaching that the word of God is heard. So let's finish our passage with the last two verses for the morning, uh, verses 38 and 39. Read along with me there. It says, And he, Jesus, said to them, Let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and calling out demons. So Jesus prioritized preaching as the preeminent focus of his earthly ministry. Preaching was at the very heart of Jesus' prayer-saturated ministry. He says, for that is why I came out. Now, does that surprise you? The reason that Jesus was there was to preach. Now, why would he prioritize preaching? Well, wouldn't you think healing is more powerful and more important than talking? Well, apparently not. Turn back, uh, actually, it's in that same, same chapter, Mark 1, verse 14 and 15, we read it. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee First thing Jesus is doing, proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. So what is preaching? Well, preaching is proclaiming the word of God. It's heralding the word of God. So it's not dialogue or gentle suggestions. It's not a small group Bible study. It's not one-to-one Bible reading. Those are are not at all bad. Those are good things. They all have their place. But preaching is the authoritative declaration of the Word of God. It was preaching that drove the ministry of Jesus. Because the good news of the kingdom must be proclaimed. That is how sinners are saved. So to underscore this, Paul said in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, Romans 10, 14, he said, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? That's Romans 10, 14. So preaching means proclaiming. So remember last week, all the people that Jesus healed, well, they ended up at some point getting sick and dying. They're no longer here with us. But those who repent and believe will be saved forever. So Jesus prioritized preaching in his ministry here on earth because repentance from sin 
and belief in God are the most important things. Now, the Word of God is powerful. Amen? The Word of God is powerful. So perhaps a a couple of reminders of that for us. In Genesis, how did God create? He created with the spoken Word. He spoke things into existence. The Word of God is powerful. In Ezekiel, it was the Word of God that caused the dry bones to come back to life. In the Gospels, Jesus often healed sickness by speaking only words. In the Gospels, Jesus often cast out demons and silenced demons by speaking words. So the Word of God is powerful. But in many ways, that type of power pales in comparison to the power of the Word to forgive sins. Jesus is described as the Word. And in the Gospels, we see him forgive sins and thereby transfer a guilty sinner from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. We see Jesus, the Word, bring conviction of sins and repentance leading to new life in Him. So the Word of God is powerful and effective to do the will of God in bringing guilty sinners to the point of recognizing that they need to be saved by God. That's far more powerful than healing someone of a physical ailment. Do do you believe that? that there is nothing more powerful than the Word of God to transform sinners into His children. So if that's true, then what are the implications and the applications for us? Well, the ministry of the Word is the engine that drives the church. So thank you. I think this is a a rare church, so I I really do want to thank you for being a church that comes expectant to hear the word each Sunday morning. Uh, You're not here for smoke and mirrors. There there are certainly better speakers than me. There are certainly uh, people who tell funnier jokes or tell better stories than I do. You're here to hear the word of God, so I want to thank you for that. The ministry of the Word throughout the life of the church is sustained by the priority of preaching. So the centerpiece of our time in worship each morning is preaching. Worship doesn't begin when we start singing and end with the last note. Rather, worship begins with our call to worship, as Eric did this morning. Uh, I think you read out of Psalm 24 or something like that. So uh, it begins with a call of worship, and it's culminated with our time in the Word as someone stands here or sits here and and preaches God's word. It's why we pay our pastor, so that he's able uh, to spend time in the word each week without the distraction of trying to provide for his family in some some other manner. It's why a church our size has has other pastors and staff who are able to do various other shepherding and ministering so that the lead pastor can focus extensively on the Word of God. It's why we didn't throw in the towel this morning when Pastor Chuck uh, got ill and say, we're just canceling our service for today. So thank you. Thank you for being a church that prioritizes the Word of God in our church life. Now, having said that, what are some ways that we can, can grow in that? As good as we are, what are some ways that we can grow in prioritizing the Word of God? So just a couple of, of quick tips by way of application for your Sunday morning, for a Sunday morning such as today. 
So the first thing I would encourage is come to our church gathering anxious to hear the word of God. That means pray beforehand to set aside uh, the, the worries of yesterday and the worries of tomorrow. Pray beforehand to lay those down and be ready to hear what God has to say to you in this moment. I think often we're so consumed with uh, the past or we're so anxious about the future that we miss being in the present. And so we miss what is being said to us in this moment that might directly apply to what's happened in the past or might directly apply to the worries that we have about tomorrow. So pray that you are present and able to hear God's word for you for today. Second, actively pray for your pastors. Pray for their time in the word each week. Pray for clarity in what they share. And pray for their health. Third, come ready to hear the word by reading it ahead of time. Our sermon plans are available for any member so that you can read ahead and so you can, be, you can know what we're going to be preaching on uh, that next week. So read ahead and prepare yourself in that way. Fourth, come prepared to learn in whatever style fits you best. Some of you uh, take notes, that's great. Some of you don't, don't take notes, that's great. Whatever works for you, do it. Some of you may need to, to listen to the sermon a second time. That, that may seem redundant, but it may seem like uh, you're so busy, how can you possibly do that? But maybe you need to do that to prioritize the word in that way so that you get the most out of uh, your scripture. And then fifth, ask God to help you apply his word. Listen for yourself and don't listen for others. I think we're all guilty of this at some point. Uh, we, we are hearing somebody preach and we're thinking of, well, I really wish that so-and-so was here to hear this. This is really good for them. Or you're thinking about the person sitting next to you and thinking, I, I sure hope they're paying attention to this because they need to change this part of their life. I hope they get this. But instead of that, first be listening to apply God's word to your life. And what does God want you to do with his word? So friends, Jesus gave himself to prayer. And the prayers of Jesus drove him towards his priorities. And Jesus prioritized preaching. As one pastor said, prayer and preaching is a one-two punch that cannot be defeated. So if you're, if you're not a believer in Christ and you're here today, I'm sure this has sounded awfully strange to you. Talking to someone that we can't see in prayer, prioritizing or organizing your life, submitting your life to somebody who, who died 2,000 years ago on a cross, prioritizing words in a book uh, that, that don't seem any different to you than the works of, of Shakespeare or the works of Homer. But friend, if that's true of you right now, that's, that's because you haven't met Jesus. Christianity is a relationship first. And when you meet the real Jesus, you'll desire to spend time with God in prayer. You'll desire to submit your life to him because there's nothing better than what he has to offer. And you'll want to spend time in his word because it is, it is our very creator who has spoken, who has chosen to speak to us and give us words of life. We'd love to share with you today about this Jesus. So I'd encourage you to stick around, uh, talk to somebody afterwards. We'd love to share with you. We'd love to share about this Jesus that we've been talking about today. And for our members today, the believers who are in this room, I would encourage you uh, in a couple of areas. First, 
I would encourage you to stop to pray. Pray at all times. Pray without ceasing. Pray so that we might slow down and commune with the one who has saved us from our sin. And then reprioritize your life based on the will of God that is found in Scripture. God's word is worthy of our attention, and Jesus prioritized preaching the word. And then let me close with this challenge. How would your life be different if you gave the same emphasis to the word that Jesus gave? I'd encourage you to think about that and share with somebody after the service about that. How would your life be different if you gave the same emphasis to the word that Jesus gave? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word to us. Thank you that you are a speaking, personal, relational God. And yet, uh, all the things that you are, all the things that you do, how powerful you are, and yet you stoop to listen to us, to pay attention to us, and to hear us. So we thank you for that. And God, we often thank you for the ministry and the work of Jesus, but we also thank you for the example of Jesus, one who saw the necessity of prayer, one who willingly submitted his own agenda to you, his heavenly Father, one who prioritized your word in all that he did. So Father, we ask that you would give us that same that same desire, that you would help us to pray and help us to prioritize your word. Help us to apply it to our lives today, that we might know you more, that we might love you more. We pray this all in your name. Jesus, amen. Well, really.